When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon from our Cleveland studio. I'm joined as always by fellow Browns beat writers Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. My friends, how you two doing? Uh, doing well. Survived another combine. Yep. I mean, how did you like it, Ellis? <laughs> combine was a blast. Yeah. It was a blast. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but as we said, we're back from the combine with a lot to touch on today. There, we're going to have takeaways for you guys. Also, this OBJ jersey reveal. You know, if you if you follow Dan Lobby on Twitter, I, I know he has some thoughts on that. Just a, <laughs> just a small bit. But first, uh, big news. Mary Kay broke over the weekend. Joe Schobert will not be back with the Cleveland Browns, a source told her. So before we get into what it means for the Browns, first, Mary Kay, as you can only do, can you peel back the curtain for us and tell us how Schobert and the Browns came to this point of divorce? Well, basically, uh, they met, the two sides met at the NFL Combine, but it had already, uh, before that point, they had reached the uh, the point where he can make 10 to $11 million out on the open market. Now, how do they know that? Because the truth of the matter is those conversations take place once the season ends and a player doesn't have a contract with his team and is about to become a free agent. Conversations start to take place. You can start to gauge the market, and you know uh, how many teams will be interested in you and what they are going to be willing to pay. So by the time Andrew Barry sat down with Joe Schobert's agent, Joe Panos, they knew exactly what he was able to get on the open market. And the conversation that they had with the Browns basically was they're not prepared to pay him that much at this point. And Andrew Barry even told us, he, you know, he gave Joe his blessing. You've earned the right to go out into free agency and test the market. So I believe that what will happen is he'll probably – uh, be one of the earlier guys to to receive an offer from someone. The legal tempering, tampering period starts on March 16th. There's three days of that, and then you can actually close the deals on March 18th. I think he'll be one of the first to probably reach an agreement with someone. Um, I know that Green Bay is one of the teams interested in, but in him, but there are probably about a half a dozen teams that are interested in him, and I think he'll at least make an average of about 10 million a year, uh, maybe 11. Now. Does this mean that there is – I heard that there was zero chance he's coming back to the Cleveland Browns. So I'm I, guessing that's how it will work out. But stranger things have happened in free agency. So you never 100% really know. What if he goes out there and some of these deals fall through or the money dries up for some of these teams and it turns out that, uh, you know, that the Browns can get him cheaper. He doesn't get the 10 or $11 million that he thought he was going to get. You know, I mean, so there is, I guess, some – small percentage of a chance that he could end up back here but like I said I was told zero chance he's coming back to Cleveland yep Dan so you hear all that we've all been talking about Schobert is he staying is he leaving for what feels like forever now we finally arrived here are you surprised by this I'm not surprised well I'm a little more surprised than I would have been had John Dorsey still been the GM I think we all kind of assumed that if Dorsey and, and that crew were still around, Schobert was a goner. Uh, I think uh, then the assumption kind of became, well, here comes Andrew Barry back. Paul DePodesta is a little more in charge or a lot more in charge. And, uh, you know, maybe Joe Schobert with this regime that drafted him back in 2016, correct? Mm -hmm. uh, that they would maybe be more apt to want to pay him and sign him considering how he's played. So I'm a little surprised on that front. Yeah, I wrote this the other day. I think... Somebody from the Browns could look at me and say, hey, we don't want to pay Joe Schobert $11 million. And I'd say, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But then there's another part of me that thinks, I get that, but Joe Schobert is 
a good player. I don't know. He's not a great player. He's not one of the best linebackers in the league, but he's a good player. And you need somebody to play that position. And when you let a good player leave, you've got to replace that good player. And I don't know if Mac Wilson is ready. You're going to have to spend some money or draft capital probably to replace him. Uh, so you, you've got to be cautious to not you know, chase your tail letting guys go to, to save a few dollars here and there. Yeah, and Andrew even talked about this too, uh, and you guys heard him talk about this at the, at the Combine. Had he been around and part of this in the previous couple of years – he probably would have wrapped Joe Schobert up to a long-term contract. And as they move forward, they're going to try to cultivate their own talent, their own draft picks, and hang on to those guys, not let it get to this point and get them extended before uh, you reach the point of no return. So it's not that they don't like him as a football player. It's that right now uh, he's not matching up for them in terms of price versus value and also a large reason for that is because they're going to invest very heavily in the offensive line. They want to save their pennies uh, to get new tackles and a new guard. Yeah, that, that term I think Andrew Barry used over the combine, uh, pre, pre-market extension, that mm-hmm. sound right? That, that, that seems that was what he was throwing around, and it makes a lot of sense. The Eagles are known for doing stuff like that. Um, speaking of Kevin Stefanski, he just came from Minnesota where they did something like that with Stephon Diggs. You know, you extend these guys two, three years before they can hit the market – it, they're happy for the payday and then you're not paying a premium when we reach this point on a, on a more popular note it's what happened with Kirk Cousins in Washington and what the Cowboys and Dak Prescott are flirting with right now with the fran- franchise tag you wait this long you you pay top dollar uh Dan I, I want to ask you you mentioned you mentioned Mac Wilson and what this team looks like at linebacker uh Taki Taki is a name we don't hear often what about this group gives you any confidence that these guys are ready if any and does that mean the browns are going to be have to pay up in free agency or where do they find this replacement now for not just Schober, but really the linebacking core as a whole well i I mean i guess mac wilson is the guy you kind of look at first and that doesn't mean that they won't try and find somebody else but mac wilson is the guy that's around and he played last year He, he came in after christian kirksey got hurt so he got a lot of playing time and a lot of work and i do think you know just the eyeball test i thought he got better as yep, the season went I along agree. now you know can he do what joe Schobert did i don't know he's also a different player a different type of player than joe Schobert is I, I think the other element is how does this team kind of view building a defense right I mean, maybe yeah. they just don't value the linebacker position as much as maybe some other places would you know joe woods is a defensive backs coach we know the importance of the defensive line maybe they kind of view linebacker as a little more replaceable than, than some of those other things which i, I think is an interesting kind of study in how they view you know building you know that 11 yeah yeah dan i agree with that do we have and you mentioned kirksey do we have any tell on what's going to happen with him or do we have a gut call on where that might end up have we heard anything mary Kay? you know what i have really been looking into that and and trying to uh, figure that one out my gut tells me that he's not going to be around at seven point seven five million dollars next year. I mean, they have to make a decision on him. He's coming off of a torn pec that he had surgery for. Um, but I mean, you never really know if they feel that he's a hundred percent healthy. Uh, he still has some value as as a football player for this football team. So. I don't know where that one is going yet. Um, I haven't been able to get a, a good read on it. Again, my gut tells me that the price versus the player uh, isn't necessarily going to work out for them. I think they're going to look around for linebackers in the draft, in trades, in free agency, and I think we're going to have a shakeup of that room. Yeah. And, ahead, and Kirk, I mean, Kirksey's interesting because now I, I think with Schobert leaving, it at least puts a little bit in play that maybe they say, well, why don't we keep Kirksey around for another year? Right. Because really the big, the, the only real criticism of him is he's ended the last two years on IR. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's, there's a case to be made that that hamstring a couple seasons ago, had the team been in a better place, maybe he would have you know come back later in the year. Uh, but you know, maybe this is a guy that has worn the green sticker. He's been in the middle. He's made the calls. You know, he was doing it when Schobert got hurt a couple years ago. I, I would still be surprised if he's around, but I, I do think this at least, whatever chance there is, this increases it at least a little bit. Yeah, and when you talk about the economics of it, if you were going to have to go out and sign him in free agency, you'd probably end up having to spend more than $7.75 million. Uh, to get right. a player of his caliber. So 
you kind of have to weigh those things. And again, he's just one of those guys that falls into the category of we're not really 100% sure how it's going to go yet, but we suspect maybe they might not be around. Yeah, quickly, uh, my Christian Kirksey story, um, and I know I shared it with you, Dan. I think you were the one who helped me on this, but I got here in week two, right? So the first home game was week three versus the Rams, and the Browns do the, the, the dog check thing. Like, dog check, you know, right. and, and his face goes up on the, the screen at First Energy Stadium, and um, forgive me, I knew who Christian Kirksey was. I did not recognize him without a helmet. Uh, so that happens. I'm like, oh, I wonder who that guy is. Okay. Uh, finally, I'm in my first locker room. I'm looking around for that guy, like, you know, trying to get face to the name. And I just, you know, not recognizing him anywhere. Um, a few week, more weeks go by and they keep doing the dog check thing. I'm like, okay, who the heck is this guy? And yeah. I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> and this is probably not the best on my part. I was like, you know, it would be like the Browns to leave a guy on the video that they maybe cut or who isn't on the team yeah. anymore or anything like that. And I think maybe by, well, I hope it wasn't the Bills game because that was a little bit later <laughs> in the year. But at some point I finally just built up the courage because, you know, I'm the new guy. I'm, I don't want, I want to act like I know everything. I don't want to ask stupid questions. But finally I had enough. I'm just like, Dan, who is this guy on the screen? Because he is not on the roster. I have looked everywhere and he just kind of chuckled. He's like, oh, that's Christian Kersey. He, You wouldn't have seen him around at all because he's on IR now and not around the facility. So um, that can, was a eureka moment for me. Here's here's what I want to do. No. Can you even guess the GM that drafted Christian Kersey? Oh, man. Um, the same GM who drafted Joel Batonio? Farmer? Yeah. Hey, Ray Farmer. There we go. Some Browns trivia for you. Credit to Ray. He's drafted a few uh, <laughs> a few guys who have. This is the first ever Ray Farmer positive shout out. But Joel, <laughs> Kirksey, That's Duke fun. Johnson is still in the league. Yeah. Cam Irving just won a Super Bowl. I don't know where Danny Shelton is. I think he's still around. Yeah. He's There's with, a few guys. He's with the Patriots. Okay, so he's still in New England. Yeah. There's, yeah, a, there's yeah, a few guys that, that have hung on and, and had some success from his much maligned draft classes. Right, yeah. and that says something about the number of GMs. I just kind of had to go through a timetable <laughs> in my head. I was like, okay, Dorsey, no. Brown, no. Barry just got here, not Barry. So I just, just kind of plucked from the timetable there. It's a condensed window, but a long list, and that's, that's how yeah. we go with the Browns here. Um, Before we, we switch topics here, any anything more to add on Joe Schobert? I mean, not to make this this is uh, in memoriam, but... You know, it seems like this is going to be it for Schobert and the Browns. You guys covered him, of course, uh, much longer than I. Any any thoughts on Joe? You know, I mean, just in cover, you know, from our side of it and, you know, pulling back the curtain, he was always an approachable guy and a guy you could talk to. And uh, yeah, I think he got better at that as his career went along here. I, I think, like I said, I think he's a good player. I, I don't know that I'd put him in the top tier of like linebackers in the NFL, but I, I think it's an interesting story. He came into the league as an outside linebacker. Uh, wasn't cut out for it. Lost a kind of transformed his body, turned into a mic, won the job when Tank Carter of all people got hurt, and you know really kind of took it and ran with it. So, I, I think he's a, a really good story. And the other thing about uh, Joe Schobert, as as we all know, is Greg Williams and his son Blake absolutely loved Joe Schobert. So now both of those guys are in New York with the Jets. Uh, and you would think that it would be a no-brainer, but uh, I've seen reports and I've actually heard that they might not be able to land him, maybe because they don't want to pay that 10 or $11 million. You know, maybe they don't have uh, that kind of cap space or the resources to allocate for it. But those guys absolutely loved Joe Schobert and just raved about him the whole time that he was here. Yeah, and being from Minnesota, um, Schobert's a, a Madison kid, Wisconsin Badger. A lot of my friends uh, have enjoyed following him, enjoyed his story, and it'll definitely be interesting to see where he ends up and how his, his career continues to progress. Switching gears here, we're going to talk a little bit, our, our second big topic of the day, topic number two. The Browns need to address their backup quarterback situation. You know, Cleveland was lucky last year that Baker stayed healthy. As, let's face it, the backups they had here weren't ready to go in and win any football games for the Browns. Um, so, Mary Kay, what are you hearing on the front? of the Browns addressing the backup quarterback situation. We know this regime puts a lot of importance on that position and really the whole QB room in general. So what have you been hearing? Well, I've been writing this for for a couple of weeks now that they really want to change up the vibe in that quarterback room. They want to completely shake it up. Uh, When they look to last year, and they've talked to enough people about this as well, they just don't like what kind of went on over there. It was very clicky. Uh, They kind of separated themselves in some ways from other parts of the team. There was some dissension with other 
position groups. And um, it was, you know, it was Freddie Kitchens, quarterbacks coach Ryan Lindley, Drew Stanton, Baker Mayfield, and Garrett Gilbert. So they kind of wanted to, you know, break that thing up a little bit. Drew Stanton won't be back here. He will um, probably wait until time goes on a little bit and see if there's another team that, that would be willing to bring him in as sort of a Josh McCown-like mentor. Uh, but the Browns want a different, you know, just a different feel in there. And what they will do is I wrote that I think the number one candidate can and should be Case Keenum. Uh, he he's checks off all the boxes. He's about 32 years old. He's been around. He knows how to prepare. He had success with Kevin Stefanski. Kevin knows him, has a comfort level with him. And to me, he seems to make the most sense. I don't know if it'll happen, but but that's the one that I look at, and I think that fits the description. He's not going to come in here and try to take the job away from Baker Mayfield, but he'll help him prepare, he'll push him, and he'll help set the tone in the quarterback room. But he's not the only one. There are a number of guys. It's a weird quarterback year. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of guys that are going to be available. Yep. And when all is said and done, there are not going to be enough starting jobs for all those guys. Correct. Well, I think that, that probably works to the Browns' advantage because yeah. last year, Case Keenum – went out and not, I'm sorry, not last year. It was the year before when he went to Denver, he went out and could get a starting job and get paid a bunch of money this year. Who are you going to sign Tom Brady or Case Keenum? Right. Phil Rivers or Case Keenum? Right. You know, even Andy Dalton versus Case Keenum, which right. one are you going to go after? Uh, if, if the Bengals decide to move on from Dalton, it, you know, I, I think I, I'm kind of with you. It's hard for me to argue against Case Keenum. He, he's right. a guy that because of the age, because he's done both things, because he knows Stefanski. Right. He's a guy I don't think fans are going to, you know, if Baker comes out and throws a couple picks, I don't think you're going to hear Case Keenum chance at, at First Energy Stadium. Not that that should drive your decision, but I, I think he's the type of guy that, that you want to have in that locker room. Sort of a, I, I guess for lack of a better term, a non-threatening guy. But if you need right. him to come in and play, he can come in and play, and he can win you some football games if Baker gets hurt or if for some, which hopefully this won't happen for Browns fans, if Baker struggles this year. Right, and just knowing Kevin Stefanski, even though they will be running somewhat of a, of a different system because here they will be really running the Gary Kubiak system uh, in Cleveland, and that was just a little bit different than what happened in 2017 when Case Keenum went 11-3 and when Kevin Stefanski was his quarterback's coach, won a playoff game, um, but still, he knows Kevin Stefanski. They, were, they worked together very closely on a daily basis. He knows what he wants, what he's looking for. They speak the same language. So I think there are a lot of pluses to that. Other guys to look at, one, one of the other guys uh, that I have on my radar that I've, I've thought of is Andy Dalton, of course, because he worked with Alex Van Pelt for two mm-hmm. years in Cincinnati. But... Andy Dalton still has a chance to go somewhere and be a starting yeah, quarterback. Yeah, I bet he could start somewhere. Right. So nobody's giving up on that idea with him yet. Uh, I've even seen things where, you know, people say maybe he should end up in New England as the starter for Bill Belichick. <laughs> so, I mean, Andy, I don't think, is is really ready to give up yet and, and not be a starter. But he's somebody to, to think about, depending on where these dominoes start to fall. And I think that's going to be one of the most exciting things about free agency, isn't it? Yeah, to figure of out course. where Tom Brady goes. Of course. And to figure out where where all these guys end yep, up. Yep. You know, Philip Rivers and Jameis Winston and, and all of these guys. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to Brady in a second. Um, continue on that point, Dan. I wanna I wanna push you on something here. You mentioned, uh, <laughs> you me- well, it was interesting. It made me think. You mentioned not the fans not reigning uh, bench Baker chance or something like that if he throws a pick at first energy with a backup like Case Keenum. Now you bring in a guy like Jameis Winston, as Mary Case said, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton. You know that seems to be the the, the top tier for putting Brady at the top. It probably goes Dalton and then somewhere in there Rivers, Winston, something like that. Do you think Baker needs to be protected in a way with a lower guy like Case Keenum, or is best backup available the route to go? I, I think if the goal is developing Baker Mayfield, I don't think you want to bring in a guy whose goal is to start. Okay. And, and that's not to say that Case Keenum doesn't want to start, but Case Keenum is a guy that just might have to settle, and I think at his age, he's gotten paid, is probably going to be willing to settle. Wherever Jameis Winston goes, he's going to want to play, and he's going to want to start. And the same goes for Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Wherever he goes, he's going to want to play, and he's going to want to start and, and compete. And I don't think you want to set that up for Baker. You want to you want to push him a little bit, 
but you don't want to set up a situation where Kevin Stefanski has to stand up there in his first year on the job on August whatever and say, well, Marcus Mariota outplayed Baker Mayfield, and I've got to have the best guy on the field. You, you don't want to set up that situation. You want to push Baker without threatning his job, and I, I think there's a way to do Mary that. Mary Kay, how do you land on that? Well, I, I think that even if you did end up with somebody that has starting ability, uh, I think that what you would have to do in training camp is set it up and frame it so that it doesn't become like a quarterback competition. And there's just there are just easy ways to do that. I mean, you just give Baker all the first-team reps. You give the other guy the second-team reps. You don't mess around with it. You set the tone in words deeds and actions so I think they would have to do that so you don't start getting into that uh, because Baker is in a prove it year I mean he mm-hmm. really has to come out and prove to people that he is the elite quarterback of the future the franchise quarterback of this football team everybody that I've talked to quarterback experts people around the league people do seem to think that that Baker is going to really flourish in this system and that that's not going to even be an issue so um, I do think that it will play out that way Um so yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. That's why, like I said, I think that the Case Keenum is like the the perfect guy because you're not going to have that. I still really really want to be a starting quarterback in the NFL type of thing that you're going to have with a, a Mariota, a Winston, and some of the other guys. Mary Kay, because you're good at this, I am a, I am in agreement. Case Keenum is seems like the perfect candidate, but for the sake of this exercise, let's say he's not available or he finds a better deal elsewhere have either of you two landed on a number two how can the Browns avoid a quarterback controversy considering the list if Case Keenum isn't the guy well one another guy that has been talked about and reported by actually by Jason Lockhamfora is Chase Daniel so he's another guy that he's I think he might even be 33 now he's a journeyman he's been around a ton uh, and he's somebody that would come in and be able to sort of show the way set the tone Uh, I think I think Case is a much better choice but Chase is somebody that would kind of be on that list. Um, Colt McCoy, I, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, that that really isn't a viable option just because, you know, t- there's water under the bridge from him being here in the past. So I don't think he's necessarily, uh, you know, high on the list. But um, I don't think you can cross off a guy like a Marcus Mariota. Sure. Um, and I don't think you can cross off anybody else who doesn't land a starting job in the first couple of days of free agency. Right. Dan, where do you land on that spectrum? If we're putting Case Keenum right in the, the, the focal point, right in the center, the perfect balance, equilibrium, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, and I would then put Chase Daniels below that threshold, like, okay, we're going the wrong way now as a guy who could win you a, a game or two. Come in like Teddy Bridgewater and win four or five games to the Browns. We probably don't think Chase Daniels can be that guy more of a mentor, and then we'll put Mariota and Winston above that threshold as a guy who you would be confident could come in and win games. Where do you think the Browns land there? Taking Case Keenum off the board, of course. I think you'd probably go – I don't think you'd go up. I I think you'd continue to kind of – you'd go to that more Chase Daniel level. Because, again, I just think if you were to bring in – and, look, Jameis Winston is going to have options, including staying in Tampa. What if he ends up with the Chargers or something like that, right? I mean, these guys are going to have options to go somewhere where they can start. And you're going to bring in a guy – you're just going to set up a situation where, again, you can say all the right things and you can do all the right things, but if Jameis Winston is your backup, he's still really young and he still wants to get make a lot of money and he wants to be a starting quarterback. And the same goes for Marcus Mariota, you know, draft classmates. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at guys like Chase Daniel or, you know, Hey, AJ McCarron is out there. Browns fans. <laughs> I know that's a name that mm-hmm. <laughs> strikes a chord with Browns fans. You know, there's guys out there that you can bring in. And the reality is with, with the whole, you know, winning games thing, if Baker's hurt, you're going to be in trouble, right? Right. You're, you're building this thing around Baker Mayfield. You want a guy that can at least come in and, and run the offense a mm-hmm. little bit, though, and maybe have to win with your defense a little, but this is a guy that's not going to come in and make mistakes and get you through a couple weeks if you need him. I Normally, I would agree. Any other year, I would. For some reason, what happened in Tennessee this year really, I don't know if excites the right word, but it, it, it helped me see football differently. You just you don't see that really ever the where the backup quarterback comes in and completely re-energizes a group and you know, Ryan Tannehill, despite his 
lack of passing yards in the playoffs, he really was the heart and soul of that team. I know people are going to be like, oh, Derrick Henry carried the ball a hundred zillion times. I understand that. That is their offense. But Tannehill gave them um, a calm demeanor, uh, a Simon Sound, accurate thrower, who could also still make plays with his legs like mm-hmm. Mariota did. So I see what, what Tennessee did, and I just think, like, man, bringing in Jameis Winston maybe isn't the worst idea where if, the, if, if this roster – is where the Browns organization thinks it is, and they hit on some of these draft picks also coming up, and quarterback ends up being the weak point of this team, Chase Daniels isn't going to be the guy to help that and write that ship. Now, I don't know if Kevin Stefanski has the guts or even the leeway to do what Mike Vrabel did last year. And also, Baker Mayfield and James Winston are really only like 18 months apart in age. So I understand the, the problems there compared to a guy like Case Keenum or Chase Daniels. But I just think that, you know, using Tennessee as the case study group deserves more attention that, you know, maybe it is the right idea to bring in someone who can really compete with Baker Mayfield, though you come in like Tannehill did knowing it's not your job. Um, but, you know, that might look, Baker's always been the guy who plays best with a chip on his shoulder. And if he really felt like his job was in jeopardy, compared to another year of, look, you have nothing to worry about, maybe that'd be best for him. I mean, do we trust Baker to put this on himself, or do you think some real internal competition could be best for him, or is he at a fragile point where it's, you know, this needs to be his show still? He, he's not fragile, and, and I wouldn't worry <laughs> about that at all. Okay. Uh, I, I I don't think he would worry about any kind of competition. No. I don't think that that, I mean, that, that in, in college, that's what he did, yeah. right? He sought out that competition. Exactly. That drives him. So, no, I don't think that, that that would be an issue at all. I just don't see that that's their mindset. Sure. I just don't see that that's what they have in mind for this type of position. Yep. Uh, just somebody that could step in behind him because they really are committed to him. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is another uh, name of, of yeah. someone that was able to, to step in and win games. And yep. I think that's what they want. They want that guy to be able to come in and hold down the fort and win games uh, in the event that they can make a playoff run this year. So... I think that's where they're going with that. I think it's going to be really interesting to see who they end up with. Um, but I think whoever it is, uh, it will be somebody that will help Baker Mayfield become a better quarterback. So I, I think one of the lessons that I would take from Tennessee is, you know, they're in very different spots in their career, right? Like Mariota was in his fifth year. Right. And his contract was up. They didn't extend him. It was a make-or-break year for him. I do think the lesson I would take from that is – Tennessee kind of spun their wheels because every year they said, okay, we're going to run it back with Mariota. We're going to get him a bunch of weapons. It didn't work out this year. We're going to run it back with Mariota and get him a bunch more whatever else. All of a sudden, Tannehill comes in, who he's an okay quarterback. And all of a sudden, the offense looks completely different. A lot of that has to do with Derrick Henry, but the offense looks different with Tannehill. And he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league in the second half of the year statistically. So I think the, the lesson to take away is, if Baker really struggles in year three and he looks more like he did last year than he did over those last eight games Mm -hmm. of his rookie year, you might want to be a little quicker in deciding on how much you really want to continue to go all in. That's why it's a make or break year. Like you called Mm -hmm. it, Mary Kay. Maybe you don't want to say, okay, well it's year four. We're going to run it back and pick up the fifth year option in year five. We're going to run it back. And then all of a sudden you, you kind of waste those years. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're looking to do that this year, but this is certainly the year to kind of, turn that critical eye on it because if it doesn't work under what is this going to be his fourth offensive coordinator mm-hmm. if it doesn't work if it continues to not work well then may- maybe you start to look at him but I- i'm not quite to that point yet you know when you look at at this offense we've seen uh guys run different versions of it you know here and elsewhere it really seems like Baker Mayfield is going to be very successful yeah. in this offense. I mean, Case Keenum was successful in it in right. Minnesota. Kirk Cousins has been su- successful in it, you know, in Minnesota. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer. I mean, it really seems <laughs> right, like it's right. so quarterback friendly. And Baker Mayfield has the skill set. I find it very hard to believe that he's not going to flourish in this offense. I will be shocked if it happens. Yeah, and if he doesn't flourish and we're having the same conversation a year from today, then the Browns are just in the quarterback market in general. We're not even talking about necessarily backups right. and whatnot. They're just going to be in the quarterback market in general. Um, one more thing I want to touch on, big topic number three, uh, before we touch on a few news and notes from around the NFL. Uh, Rap Sheet, Ian Rappaport, came out with a, a story yesterday that um, the Browns plan on featuring 
Odell Beckham Jr. in their <laughs> their jersey reveal highlight and uh, Dan Lobby. I, I can't remember if it was in a group text or on Twitter. You made a, a joke regarding like Dwayne Bow and stuff like that. So as as a guy who wasn't here for the jersey reveal the last time, can can you explain that Dwayne Bow reference there? Oh my gosh, the jersey reveal last oh. time. So the Browns rented out part of the convention center, which had just been redone too. I think I think yes. the convention center had just been redone. And they rented out a huge ballroom and some other space down there. And they made it this huge just event. And they were coming off a year when they went seven and nine, but they had started seven and four. And there was still some hope for like Johnny Manziel. And yeah. there's some hype around the team and new uniforms. And they just make it this huge deal. They bring all these guys up on stage in these orange hoods. Like you can't see them. And we're talking guys like Joe Thomas, Alex Mack, but also like Dwayne Bow, Dante Whitner, uh, Dante Whitner, Barkevius Mingo was up there. Yeah. I think I'm sure I'm sure Christian Kirksey was involved. Somehow. They, they, they rolled out swagger for this big event. It was unbelievable. RIP swagger. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> at one point they just undid they put the hoods down and showed off the uniforms and these guys like styled and vogued and all this <laughs> stuff on stage. And I remember there was one guy and I can't, I want to say maybe it was Taylor Gabriel who could not get the hood off. <laughs> like it was stuck on his helmet or yeah, something like yeah. that. And then they couldn't get it off. And they had like nine different versions of this uniform. Afterwards, I talked to the guys from Nike and they explained to me about how the stitching represents unity and the, color palette represents cleveland as a blue collar city and uh, it was i actually went back and looked at the article recently and it was not my greatest work <laughs> but yeah it was i think the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is they're doing a photo shoot and maybe this isn't going to be that big event maybe they've learned their lesson from the last time or we're going to get like a press release or a tweet or something like that. Hey, check out our uniforms. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. But the funny thing That's about awesome. that whole story that, that came out yesterday about Odell Beckham Jr. being part of the hype video for the new uniforms, I was thinking, you know, yeah, so Kyle Shanahan calls <laughs> calls Andrew Barry. You know, John Lynch calls Andrew Barry, and they're like, hey, we'd really like to give you two first-round picks for Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> right. And Andrew Barry just has to say, Look, man, I'd love to. I'd love to make this deal. I just can't do it. I mean, like he is the lead of our uniform hype video, so we are what? not making this deal. You know what? And this is a little bit of a cheap shot, but if there was ever an organization where a story like that was going to come out four years later, yeah, would you be shocked? <laughs> I mean, it would, I no. W- uh, you know, it's not going to happen. Obviously, if somebody blows their doors off for Oba Odell Beckham Jr., they're going to take it, you know, uniform reveal, who cares? But if like four years from now, there was some like behind the scenes of the Cleveland Browns, they had this great offer for Odell, but they were told not to make the deal because of the uniform reveal. <laughs> I would like to think... A little bit of a cheap shot at the Browns. I, I would like to think the, but... those things are not going to happen <laughs> under Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. So uh, let's hope that those days are over. Devil's Advocate, maybe... Going back to Dan's original story and the the whole launch of being over the top, maybe they want this just to go so smoothly that they can't afford to mess it up with an Odell trade. Just you never know. But no, I hear you in in good favor that these guys are professionals and they're going to put the football team first. And as you said, Mary Kay, no video uh, or where he is in this jersey reveal is going to stop a deal like that. Before we get to your football insider questions, we're going to hop around the NFL with a few uh, news notes here and. First, let's just discuss what really has had the NFL world on hold, and it's where Tom Brady's going to play. Uh, Mary Kay, you made a little mention about it to us earlier today. So let's just go around the room. How do you think this all ends for play a Tom Brady and the New England Patriots? Is he going to be back with Bill Pelichick next year, or are we going to see him in a different uniform, which doesn't even sound right saying out loud? You know what? The few people that I've talked to in the league over the last three or four days uh, I keep getting people saying to me, I think he's going back to New England. I think he's going back to New England. So I, I don't know if that's just because people can't wrap their brain around him being anywhere else, uh, but that's what I'm hearing. Now, I don't know why people can't wrap their brain around that because Peyton Manning didn't finish his career yeah. in um, you know, in, in, Indi- in Indianapolis. Yep. And Brett Favre went and played for the Vikings. So and the Jets. And the Jets before and the that. Jets. I mean, why? So why... <laughs> You know, why wouldn't Tom Brady change right, addresses right. or teams? It, it just seems to me like it's leading, heading that way. But, you know, I, I don't really know at this point. It's, it's almost like the, you know, it's hard not to think about, like, 
Wizards Michael Jordan. Yeah, right. You know, I I think we're starting to see the decline a little bit of, of Tom Brady, and you just hate the idea of him going to like Las Vegas and like struggling when he gets out of that infrastructure just because he's 43 years old. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel like he'll end up back in New England. It's the legacy. It's the, you know, it's a place he knows, a coaching staff he knows, an offensive coordinator he knows. Uh, I would be curious about him in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, we all saw the FaceTime with right. Mike Frame. I yep. would be real curious about him in Tennessee. That would be an interesting fit. Yeah, this is something I keep going back and forth on, Mary Kay, to your point. It's, I don't want to say the norm, but a very, I mean, quite common for these legends to finish out elsewhere. You know, Joe Montana, even before all them, mm-hmm. playing in Kansas City, things like that. Um, but then you think of, you know, Dan said MJ and the Wizards. You think of uh, you know, Paul Pierce was on a few other teams after he left the Celtics. Things like that. These things happen. And uh, I don't – this is just what my gut's telling me. Tom Brady posted finally – I don't want to say finally. We all had to take our time and do this how we, they needed to do this. And for the professionals, especially Tom Brady, I can't imagine. But he released a statement on the whole Kobe Bryant situation while we were at the Combine. And it kind of started sticking in my head. Like, you know, Kobe was the most recent and I guess – last guy to be on one team his whole career and be that legend and icon and only wear that one jersey Steph Curry might be the next guy to do that only wear a Golden State Warrior jersey but we're way too far away for that um I wonder if everything that happened with Tom Brady you know Jarvis Landry came out and said that the Kobe situation inspired his surgery you know Mm -hmm. this is all hitting people in different ways and you just wonder if maybe he comes out down the road when he decides to stay with New England that we find out that having that Kobe like legacy might, might have something to do with this. And now even before the Kobe thing, I thought, you know, look, we're writers, we're journalists. We tend to think storyline. It would make a lot of sense for them to, now they would never advertise it as a retirement tour, but it would make a lot of sense for the new England behind closed doors, Kraft, Belichick, Brady to say, look, let's do this one more time. Let's give it one last shot. McDaniels, you know, with him not taking the Browns job, that probably was like, okay, now he's back in town. And I will uh, dangle this out in front of everyone. I could see a behind closed doors, Rob Gronkowski rejoining the, the New England Patriots middle of the year. Um, I just could see that it would be a good storyline, Madden type stuff. But to have the whole band back together for one year is really what, what we all want to see. I'll one-up you on that, Ellis. Go for if it. <laughs> I'm ready for it, Mary Kay. Here we go. If, if he ends up going to back to New England, do they call the Cleveland Browns and try to trade for Odell Beckham Jr.? There we go. Now Think we're about talking. that. Now we're talking. Which brings back a memory of me watching those two guys, Odell <laughs> and Tom Brady, huddle up in the, uh, in the corridor after the Browns game. Um, the goat shoes. The yeah, goat the, shoes. the goat-haired shoes. I it hope was, the goat's okay. That, that's one of, the, that's <laughs> that's one of those moments about. that does stand out to you, though, doesn't it? Like yes. you're in that locker room in New England, and we're waiting around for Odell. He talks, and then you walk out. He's not out of the locker room yet, and there's Tom Brady and his son just standing there waiting yep. for him. That's one of those like, whoa, dude, you're Tom Brady. You don't have to hang out and, you know, wait for a photo for Odell right. Beckham Jr. You're the greatest quarterback ever. But yeah. it, it's one of those moments that reminds you how big of a deal Odell is. Yes. And then you think about that relationship. Yeah, it, it was interesting. And so I'd like to back up on that for one quick second. We talked about the Odell and the and the hype video and what does it mean? And, you know, the implication yesterday was that, well, of course, that means that he's in their plans and they want him here. Well, I do believe that that's true. The Browns have no intentions of trading Odell Beckham Jr. I would be I would be surprised at this point if he's not on the roster in September on opening day. However, I do think that teams will call. And I think teams will call in part because there are not a lot of receivers out there out there that are available this offseason. Now, it's a good draft class, so people might not feel compelled to have to go out and trade for a receiver like that. But if you feel you're one elite receiver away, you might at least pick up the phone and inquire about Odell. So I do think that Andrew Barry will listen to what people might have to offer. I don't ultimately think anything will happen uh, because, you know, I think that's the way to frame it. I don't think the Browns want to trade Odell. I really don't. But I do think that there will be teams that express interest. Yeah, Mary Kay, on that same note, going down the the wide receiver rabbit hole here of availability, you're right. There aren't many big names that are out there. It really, on a roster right now, it starts with Odell Beckham Jr. And outside the league, it's really Antonio Brown. And it's... Those are two huge names that possibly could be moved, but 
bringing it back to Tom Brady, even if you're looking, if Brady's trying to pluck an elite talent, uh, similar to how they grabbed Randy Moss that one year, you know, two years, um, it's Brown and it's Beckham. And that is one reason to keep an eye on it. And like you said, there's, it's unlikely Beckham's going anywhere, but those are going to be the two names if Brady's trying to pluck a, a top talent. Well, there's also Amari Cooper. Um, so he, yeah. he's probably the, the number one receiver that is available uh, in, in the free agent market. A.J. Green, he's probably going to get franchised right. by the Bengals. Um, and Cooper feels long term for the Cowboys, and, you know, but you just you never know. Right. You never really do know. Uh, so there's just not a lot out there. Yep. And again, teams might not feel pressured to do this because it's a really strong wide receiver draft class. Uh, but I just feel like if Tom Brady either stays in New England or goes somewhere else, that a phone call might be made to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't really have any good Tom Brady stories, unfortunately, except for one. It's not that good. It's not that good. But it always stood out to me because, as we know, if if you've ever covered a Brown Steelers game at First Energy Stadium, Ben Roethlisberger comes out of the locker room and goes down to the hallway by the elevator and warms up and doesn't care who walks by, doesn't care any. Tom Brady came to Cleveland his first game back after the suspension, goes out in the hallway that everybody has to walk through and is warming up. And me and another reporter were going to shoot a little video of it. And there was a security guy, like his own personal security guy was like, nope, can't do it. Just kind of showed like how Tom, Tom is very secretive and very like possessive of, of uh, everything he does. Play Tom gets his own security. But but big Ben didn't, Ben, (laughs) big Ben just goes over in the hallway and starts flinging it around. I probably could have jumped in and played catch with him and broken all my fingers. (laughs) I have a little Tom Brady story too. Let's do it. Um, this is life on the beat. We're, we're plugging this segment <laughs> in right here. We're going for it. Let's go, Mary Kay. So Tom Brady is very close friends with former Browns tight end Aaron Shea. And he was in Aaron Shea's wedding. They remained close. And um, so Tom and Giselle came to Cleveland. I don't think this has anything to do necessarily with, um, with Aaron Shea. But they came to go to the, uh, the NBA Finals game. And I was covering that game that night, just kind of helping out. And, uh, and I was back in the, uh, you know, back where the locker rooms are at um, Progressive Field. I mean, the queue. Back then it was called the queue. And, um, and Aaron Shays, a really, really good friend of Aaron Shays, said to me, hey, you know, do you want to meet Tom, Tom Brady? He's, he's back here. Meet, play a Tom? I wish someone would ask me that. Yeah. So... <laughs> I I got to stand there for a few minutes and talk to Tom Brady and Giselle. Wow, and, and Giselle was there. And you, you Giselle. buried that one, Mary Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, Dan didn't see Tom Brady and Giselle. No, I didn't see Giselle. Yeah, it's just Tom. Yeah, so I got to talk to Tom, just Tommy, just Tom, and Giselle. And you guys want to know what she looked like in person? It, yeah, is it, is it gorgeous? I have an idea. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely stunningly gorgeous. So the camera don't lie. Huh? They it's... were the beautiful people. So yes, camera yep. doesn't lie. Well, look at that. That is uh, transitioning from news around the NFL or around the NFL segment right into play at Tom Brady stories and life on the beat. Listeners, we're gonna come right back with your questions, so don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone. This is Mary Kay. Let me tell you a little bit about our Browns Football Insider. How does it work? Well, me, Dan, Scott, and Ellis will text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the Browns, what we're hearing, give you the inside word before things happen. We text you breaking news first, even before it's up on cleveland.com. Each day, we'll have a Football Insider newsletter uh, with tips, a video, a stat breakdown on the Browns each day, along with what's going on around the league. One of the coolest things is that you'll be able to text us or me directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls. It's also the only way to get your questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Now, why should you sign up? Well, first of all, you can have a 14-day free trial, and you can cancel anytime. All it takes is one text, but we're pretty sure that you won't want to cancel. We have hundreds of subscribers join over the last year. They love it. They've stayed with us, and we're getting great feedback. We're seeing the Football Insider community grow every week. It's only $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. Special perks at events, like our NFL Draft Preview in April, uh, are available only to you, and we'll have more later on that. 
What I like most about Football Insider is the the chance to connect with you directly. You can ask me a question and I will get back to you and it only goes to your phone. How can you become a Football Insider? It's a perfect time to join us as we count down to the NFL Draft. Click on cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top, or easier yet, text me at 216-208-3965. Again, that's 216-208-3965. Hello and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name's Ellis Williams, joined as always by Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. We're going to get into your football insider questions here. Little different style this time. We we got more questions than usual, which we really appreciate. Keep those questions coming in and sign up for Football Insider. So we're gonna go rapid fire style here. So our first question coming from area code four four zero asks simply, who are the favorites to pursue in free agency? Dan, Mary Kay, who do you guys got? Okay, well, this goes back to the Joe Schobert thing a little bit. If they let Joe Schobert walk, there's a guy that I really like. I don't know that they'd want to pay him the money he's probably gonna get because he's probably gonna get that. 10 12 million dollar range Corey littleton from the rams uh same age as joe Schobert. i think he's 12 days younger i was looking at this yesterday uh really good tackling grades on on pff which i know browns fans will love but uh he's a very a very good linebacker and if the browns decide that they want to replace joe Schobert in free agency they'd have to pay for him but i think he would be an interesting option uh yeah i've got a couple of guys here i'll mention uh, right tackle jack Conley. Conklin from the the Titans I'm sure that he's somebody that the Browns will toss their hat into the ring but competition will be fierce for him Uh, we've already talked about quarterback Case Keenum I'm gonna uh, still say that I think he's the best option as the backup quarterback Patriots guard Joe Tooney uh, I think he can come in and step right in as their starting right guard and for me I I don't know how tangible this is maybe more of a dream landing but uh, tight end Austin Hooper would be a really good fit here in Cleveland he had a solid three four years and yeah, four years now, five. Um, but he really stepped up this year and became a reliable option for Matt Ryan. We know how much Baker loves finding that tight end. And it remains to be seen what the tight end room here in Cleveland is going to look like. By no means is it solidified. So Austin Hooper's a guy um, I think everyone should watch. Next question from the 606. Is there any buzz around Mekhi Becton with the Browns? We just talked with him at uh, the Combine, and of course we all saw him run, so any buzz around him and the Browns right now at pick number 10? I think if it's an offensive tackle who could go at number 10, there's going to be buzz. I, you know, we're, we're still really early in this process. I, I, honestly, a lot of the coaches are just getting to know a lot of these guys. They, they've been focused on their own guys, and, and now a lot of these coaches are starting to get to know some of these um, draft guys, and of course the, the front office and the scouting staff know them well. But I, I think any guy who is a potential left tackle at number 10 is going to be linked to the Browns at some point over the next two months. I have a feeling that he's going to be gone by number 10, but definitely in the run-up, every single one of those top five offensive tackles will be talked about a lot. Couldn't agree more. From the seven seven three, is Paul D. Podesta involved during this phase, and if so... How? The mystery of Podesta continues. So you guys want to hit, take it on the shot of that one? Uh, I, I don't know how much we can get into the how, but I can tell you that he is involved. We see him all the time. Uh, I you know I saw him at the Combine, uh, walking through the hallways with, the pers- with some of the personnel staff. He is very involved. We all saw that photo gallery the Browns put out of him sitting in the suite uh, right next to Andrew Barry and right next to Kevin Stefanski. So he his fingerprints are all over this. Yeah, and you know he's going to be very involved in helping set up the draft board. Uh, he he is part of that. Uh, he will work hand in hand with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski on that and the other upper level decision makers because again analytics will be a very very big part of this draft and all player acquisition. Paul is very involved. I'm sensing a theme here. Another draft question from the 919. The Browns could be picking the fourth best offensive tackle at 10. Is there any argument to be made for picking the second best safety or a linebacker instead than addressing offensive tackle later? You can't just draft a guy for need. If he's the fourth best offensive tackle and you're not sure about him, I don't think you can take him at 10. If he's the fourth best offensive tackle and he's just as good as whoever else might be there, you think he can start day one, you still take him. Uh, but you can't you can't reach just to fill a need. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in free agency or trades in terms of left tackle. That could free up what happens at number 10 overall. Um, I don't think that they're going to be picking the fourth best offensive tackle it seems to me that 
there are going to be enough quarterbacks. There's going to be Isaiah Simmons. There are, is, are always one or two other guys that jump up there into the top ten that people didn't realize were going to go there. Uh, so I, I think they will be okay uh, picking the best left tackle at number 10. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point, Mary Kay, and maybe we should spend a little more time on this quickly with the quarterback run that is slowly brewing. Uh, before the combine, medicals were a big question for Tua Tonga-Valoa, and now it seems like he's going to check out just fine, and now there's talks he could go as early as two. Then, you know, Justin Herbert has always been a guy in there that could grab buzz from the Chargers at six or whatnot. Um, and then this love kid now out of nowhere mm-hmm. is, you know, he had more of a late first round, even second round grade. And now he's jumped into the the top five, top 10 contention. Um, you guys are used to this when it comes to covering Brown selecting high in the draft and then seeing quarterbacks runs happen. Does it seem like the Browns are in a spot here where they're going to benefit from having their quarterback solidified? Because if these run, if this run happens, if there's, you know, three, possibly four quarterbacks taken, that's only going to push these linemen back, correct? And if so, then what teams do we think are going to be the ones to pull the trigger on a quarterback in that top 10 group before the Browns select? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? There could always be a run on quarterbacks. You know, it it could certainly happen if, if teams get desperate and don't think they can get their guy. The other thing, though, to keep in mind is a couple of these teams might have decisions to make as far as how much they like Trevor Lawrence. If they don't like right. a certain a guy, point. I mean, are you going to, if you're picking, and I don't have the draft order in front of me, so I'm just going to throw out a number, but if you're picking fifth, so you're already a bad team and you, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, yeah. What if Miami just decides that they want to go again? Right. Like, yep. hey, you know what? Our quarterback's not there. Let's try this again next year and let's get Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that's a great idea. I think you can only sort of lose on purpose for so long. But, uh, you know, I, I could see maybe some one of these teams, instead of saying, I'm going to take Jordan Love, I'm just going to wait and see if I can get Trevor Lawrence or somebody. Or you know, Justin Fields is a guy. I, yep. I was reading yesterday, somebody was saying that they felt like Justin Fields could have been the third best quarterback in this class. Right. So there, there could be a case for some of these teams to wait. So it'll be interesting to see if there's a run on guys or if a couple teams say, eh, let's just wait till next year. And, and the run on quarterbacks and, and the buzz about all these quarterbacks is all well and good uh, as long as Baker Mayfield does turn out to be right, the quarterback right. of the That's future for point. the Cleveland Browns. If he doesn't, then it's like, oops, they missed on uh, a few guys last year. But uh, I don't think that'll be the case. Yeah, Dan, I, I think there's a, a lot of truth to what you're saying. And we can almost reverse engineer it now, you know, using Captain Hindsight here with the last draft. You know, what's we should be able to <laughs> – we can't, but if we could ask some of these executives – was Daniel Jones really your guy or was Dwayne Haskins really your guy? Were you not sold on Tua or, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't see this Burrow thing happening, but you're, you're right there. You're not just planning for this draft. You are planning for drafts down the road. So to both your points, depends what these guys think of not only this class, but the next class. And if Baker isn't your guy, then the Browns are all in this, this talk once again. Um, all right, listeners, that's what we have for your questions. That last one came from Doug in Cleveland. So we appreciate that um, for football insider. Don't forget to sign up. That is how you get your questions on this podcast. We've been going a, a little longer than usual here. We appreciate um, the opportunity to do that. We've been all over the place recording on location at the Combine and whatnot. We're all in studio together. Um, before we get out of here, anything I may have missed, anything else you guys want to add? Um, No, I don't think I really have anything. I, th- I think we covered it all. An a heavy-hitting podcast here today. podcast. <laughs> We're back at it. We're good. Awesome. All right. Well, for myself, Dan Lobby, and Mary Kay Cabot, we're signing off. Thanks for listening, y'all. Take care.